Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, TGIF, thank God it's Friday. I mean, it's been a long week. Uh, stuff is still happening. I can't believe all the stuff happening. And uh, by the way, our ratings are in. I understand we had more than double, more than double of Hannity's, not counting that we're also on other stations. Bravo. And it's thanks to our great team. And, and you know what, John? It's our mantra, tell the truth. Common sense yeah. prevails. And so uh, in, in the studio today, we have Judge Richard Weinberg and Governor David Patterson as common sense uh, Democrats and Ed Cox is a common sense Republican. Ten years now, going on eleven or twelve on uh, <laughs> GOP chairman in New York State. We're back. And uh, let me tell you, I watched President Biden's speech at three o'clock. I never saw a speech so full of hate. Me too. It uh, was I mean, I disgusting. Couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I mean, look, look. I want to respect the president of the United States. He doesn't make it easy, John. It, it doesn't make it easy. I mean, I don't know what to say about it. John, I, I'll say something. You it say was it. it was disgusting. It was so unpresidential. That's so nice. Yeah, you know what? I was shocked, John, because here he is saying that he's the one who's bringing everyone together, and his speech was so petty. He called Trump a loser. He said anybody who was there on January 6th, tomorrow is the three-year anniversary. That's uh, the January 6th is tomorrow. Yes. We're going to be talking about it today, guys. John, how can you I mean, say uh, you're the president when you, every chance he took, he slammed Trump and slammed anybody who supports Trump? It was so divisive and, and I'm and just no, afraid he, he politically has no choice because he is, his ratings are so far Go, in the dumps, Go, he's got to attack. Governor Patterson has two cents. That's I it? Thought, That's it? I thought he had more. I he looks very well-dressed. Common, common sense, too. Oh, common sense. Okay. I thought it was just beautiful. I heard a beautiful speech. <laughs> One of the most literate, I eloquent, would say. Eloquent? Eloquent. Wait, wait. I thought it wait, was, I wasn't drinking? seeing Anthony Weiner to tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, good luck with no, that, John. In, in, good luck. In, in all seriousness, at a time when the economy is doing pretty well, and they've even complimented some of his policies, why would you go out and just lose all uh, scruples and have a speech like that, which was insulting to the other candidate, while at the same time it was, it was as if he was trying to play both sides, where he wanted to say that he was the model of virtue, we don't mistreat people around here. Then he turned around and called his opponent a loser. Yeah, but, and... Uh, now, either he's got multiple personalities. How do you talk like that about a former president? It's disgusting. And also, you know what it is? To your point, Governor Patterson, and you used the phrase, it was Orwellian. Like Who, you, I who, am, who used the phrase? I was pointing at you, Judge. That's okay, why I was okay. giving you credit. Okay. I was giving you credit. Let the record be clear. Uh, let but, the record. But you know what? It was so patronizing and petty. And if you're going to run as the unifier in chief, which he did last time, and then we saw how divided he is. And he was saying he's the guy who's saving democracy, yet he is going after Trump tooth and nail at every single turn. I found it reprehensible. I'm sorry. I found it so unpresidential well, and alternate universe. 
I, because you know what? I'm sorry for America that we're dealing with a president Somebody, like that, Governor. Rita, That's now, why tomorrow I'm sorry. is January 6th, and we're going to be talking about it today. Almost every station is going to be calling it insurrection. But that's not the truth. And I wish you, I, I asked you guys to get our former FBI guy on today and, and, and see if he has any intelligence. How many undercover feds, whether, depending what agency, I, I won't say which agency, were in that crowd? Well, guess who we have coming up, John? We have somebody from Judicial Watch who has been looking into that and some other issues. Uh, but first, uh, we have Greg Jarrett, who is here now, a great legal scholar. You see him on Fox News talking, of course, about everything tied to January 6th and more. Uh, Greg, uh, thank you for joining us here on Cats and Cosby. Hey, listen, uh, my pleasure and congratulations on your terrific ratings. Well deserved. Thank you so much. And, and Greg, this is shocking. You know what John was just saying we, about we, one Greg, six. We work hard. I know you do. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, when you work hard, you get the results. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, what did you make first off of, I don't know if you saw Biden's speech, but he kept using the phrase insurrectionist and saying anybody associated, I guess, with Trump was in the same category, Greg. Yeah. yeah I mean, look, I, yes, I watched it. Uh, I didn't find it at all uh, surprising. Joe Biden opening his election campaign adopting the predictable trope that trump is a threat to democracy he's an insurrectionist i mean this is the same canard that he peddled when he stood before the ominous blood red backdrop with images of you know military force uh when he predicted that america would die unless he was their uh, you know dear leader and today, you know, Joe Biden did it at Valley Forge, which frankly insults the memory of the men led by George Washington at the birthplace of the American army during the Revolutionary War. I was offended, but I did, wasn't surprised that I would be offended. The fact remains that, uh, you know, January 6th was a, was a protest that evolved uh, into a riot. Nobody has been charged with insurrection. Uh, and certainly Donald Trump has not been charged with insurrection because the evidence doesn't support it. Um, nevertheless, that is exactly what uh, Joe Biden's going to run on, and he has no choice because he sees the poll numbers to the extent that he can actually think with that brain of his, and the polls show him that the vast majority of Americans think he's too old and feeble and demented uh, to be president. And they also show that the vast majority of Americans don't like what he's done in his presidency. They dislike his policies and his socialist progressive agenda. I mean, so we have a, we no have a war in almost every corner of the world right now. Right, and he's trying to portray that he's bringing the democracy. You, you know, John, you had an interesting point. As I was watching the president today, he was talking about he is the guy who supports essentially law By enforcement. Way, break, he's the guy who supports news. military. Breaking news. Uh-oh. The U.S. Supreme breaking Court. News. WABC. The U.S. Supreme Court has agreed uh, to consider whether Colorado... Uh, can bar Donald Trump in 2024. 
They had oh, that's to do interesting. That. So they, they have now officially uh, – your reaction, Greg Jarrett, to the U.S. Well, Supreme Court officially taken that? It's a no-brainer. Judge Weinberg, I'm sure, would agree with me this was a full frontal assault on the Constitution. Absolutely correct, Greg. Principles. Absolutely correct. It, it is brazen election interference. It's ballot rigging. It's disenfranchising voters. Uh, you know, first of all, it doesn't apply to the president of the United States. Section 3, Insurrection Clause, spells out specifically that it applies to representatives, senators, and electors. Second of all, uh, by making a unilateral decision without a trial, uh, you know, the Colorado Supreme Court, as well as Maine Secretary of State, have deprived Trump of his right to due process, guaranteed by that very amendment. And third, the 14th Amendment is not self-executing. It's not executed by the states. Read Section 5. Any idiot could understand it. It says that Congress has the power to enforce it, which it did when it codified insurrection as a criminal offense, which Trump hasn't been charged with. You know, um, Greg Jarrett of Fox News, you just brought up uh, and also what John was talking about, the 14th Amendment. One thing that really made my jaw drop about Biden's speech, and it relates to all of this, is he said, yes, Trump is an insurrectionist. And those people who were a part of his insurrection, uh, they made their bed. Um, in other words, it almost sounded like they're going to try to go after anyone else who maybe supported Trump around January 6th. Um, as we've seen, it's it's uh, Congressman Scott Perry in Pennsylvania. Uh, there's claims there that they're going to try to go after him now and try to kick him off the ballot. Your reaction to just how far reaching they are taking this? Well, I, I think this is going to boomerang against them. I think Americans are filled with common sense and good judgment and intelligence, uh, which is bereft in this current White House uh, by Joe Biden, who, who doesn't run the White House. Yeah, I mean, he, he's not really the president. I'm not sure who handles him day by day. Uh, but, you know, Americans see this as a president who is in deep, deep trouble. His popularity is in the tank. And as a result of that, he's lashing out and he's going after his opponent uh, by lying about what occurred on January 6th. And if that's all he's got, he's in he's in deep trouble. Yep. And, uh, Judge Weinberg has a question for you, Greg, Greg Jarrett. Greg, you know, there's that civil lawsuit the Attorney General of State of New York has brought against Trump, where they're trying to rescind his uh, corporate license to do business in the state of New York and have overwhelming hundreds of millions of dollars in penalties against him on a so-called fraud statute, which is on, on its own terms under the state of New York law, never been used before. In my view, it's, it's unconstitutional. There were no damages here. You had fair bargaining on both sides. The companies, the banks did their own due diligence, and yet the attorney general is weaponized the state system against him. So wherever you turn, you see the weaponization of the criminal justice system and civil litigation against Trump. And what's your thoughts about this? And by the well, way, Judge, just to add to it, you the original amount in that case, you know, was $250 million. She raised the ante. Yes, yeah, she raised it to $370 million. That wasn't enough today. Uh, Greg Jarrett. Yeah, yeah Judge, uh, you're totally right. I mean, it's a silly case. 
uh, it has uh, no legal validity associated with it. And I, you know, I do not think it will stand upon uh, appellate scrutiny. Um, but, you know, this is symptomatic of what's happening uh, with the weaponization of the Department of Justice, the FBI, and other agencies. They're doing their very best to try to protect and preserve their own power, uh, which means they have to keep Joe Biden in office. Uh, yet two-thirds of Democrats uh, don't want Joe as the presidential nominee. That's a shocking result. Eighty-two percent say they, they just want somebody other than Joe Biden. Uh, so, you know, Democrats are hoping that the incumbent president, I think, and I wrote a column about this, will announce that he's changed his mind and decided not to seek reelection. And he can do it any time uh, before the August convention in Chicago. And I think there's a very good chance that given his abysmal poll numbers, and the trouble his son is in, uh, and his temptation to, uh, you know, protect his son by pardoning him, he'll drop out. I, I may be wrong about this, but you know, mark my words. I think there's a very good chance between now and some months from now. But Greg, he, he would have to do it now because if he does it in August, there's no chance for his replacement to really uh, ramp up a campaign against a former president who would presumably have a very good chance to win. I think he'd have to do it right now. Unless it's uh, Michelle Obama or somebody well-known, you know, then they may not. Uh, uh, Greg Jarrett, thank you so much for joining us again. Also, by the way, Greg's book is The Constitution of the United States, uh, collected and explained by you also and other patriotic documents. Could not be more relevant, uh, Greg, today. My pleasure. Thank, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. And joining us now, we have Chris Farrell, who is with Judicial Watch. Judicial Watch has been like front row and center investigating fact from fiction on January 6th. They also are working with the family of Ashley Babbitt. Uh, that's the only one, by the way, who was killed on uh, January 6th. She was killed She's, by a Capitol Police. Yeah, an unarmed woman who was killed. An unarmed, unarmed woman killed by a Capitol Policeman. That's correct. Yeah, uh, Chris, uh, thank you for joining us here on Cats and Cosby. Uh, first, uh, tell us uh, tell us a little bit of what's been misrepresented on January 6th. And do you know, um, you know, how many, if any, federal agents were around on that day? What do we know? Great to be with you. Thank you very much. Uh, the most important thing you need to know is that today, Judicial Watch filed a $30 million lawsuit on behalf of Aaron Babbitt, that's the widower, the surviving husband of Ashley Babbitt, the only homicide on January 6th. And uh, we're seeking justice on behalf of Aaron Babbitt for Ashley Babbitt uh, to get real answers. That's exactly what happened. Get accountability and get some kind of accounting, some kind of responsibility uh, from the federal government for shooting an underarmed five foot two hundred pound woman uh, by uh, Lieutenant Michael Byrd of the Capitol Police. So that lawsuit was filed today in the Southern District of California in San Diego. We're very proud of that. We need accountability, and it comes at a very good time on on just about the third anniversary of the January sixth events.
Hey, let me ask you real quick, um, Chris. The uh, officer who shot her had a history, right, of like he mishandling sure weapons. Talk about he that. Sure and did. has he? Why hasn't he ever like been forced to testify? Why didn't they call him on the January sixth committee if it was such yeah, a balanced they're, committee? They're terrified of having him go under oath, and they're terrified of having his record examined closely. Uh, in our complaint, which you can find at judicialwatch.org, O-R-G, you can read the complaint and all the details in it. But he has a history. He's got a documented history. He was suspended from his police duties for reckless use of a weapon previously, where he was shooting at a car and missed, and the rounds actually went into neighboring homes in a, in a, uh, in a residential area. So this guy's had a, a horrible record when it comes to weapons training and weapons handling. And, of course, you know, by his own admission in a television interview, he said he couldn't even see who he was shooting at. And that woman died for no reason. Uh, where is this person now? Um, oh, uh, where, where's Lieutenant Byrd now? Yeah, yes. yeah. I, I do not know. I do, I do not know his whereabouts. And, and, and the, the, the big question is, there were uh, many, many, many uh, uh, federal officers. I'm not going to say which agency. I don't know which agency. Within that crowd, do you have any, does the committee or anybody have any estimates how many and who they were? I don't know the exact number, and I don't know which agencies. But we do have the testimony of the FBI Deputy Director for Counterintelligence, who was questioned very closely by Senator Ted Cruz over and over again, who demanded to know numbers and, uh, and placement of undercover operatives. And uh, there's this really disingenuous dissembling that goes on where they do the old, we can neither confirm nor deny routine. And so we know, based upon other reporting and, of course, these hearings, that there were federal uh, agents and also confidential human sources, informants, who were out in that crowd, the numbers and and who, what, when, where, I don't know. Uh, but there's substantial reporting that there was that sort of activity going on. Who opened the doors? The doors were not broken down, those big doors. Who opened them up? Yeah, you know, there there is substantial video that's been released, in large part due to Judicial Watch litigation, uh, demanding that those records or those videos be released that show Capitol Police officers opening doors and pulling away, uh, you know, the boundary uh, fencing. And so that's, again, this stuff is publicly available. It's not a big mystery. But people can go online and, and view that video where doors are opened and barrier fencing is pulled away and open to allow people to enter. And then there's also a lot of video of, frankly, Capitol Hill police acting like tour guides, directing people around and, kind of standing there with our arms folded. So it's, it, there's a lot of unanswered questions when it comes to January 6th. Yeah, there sure are. Everybody, we're talking to Chris Farrell with Judicial Watch, who you just heard just launch a big lawsuit on behalf of the widower of Ashley Babbitt, uh, the unarmed woman who the only person who was killed on January 6th, uh, Judge Weinberg. Chris, what's also very troubling to me is the fact that the January 6th committee, which really was – committee was controlled by by Pelosi. You didn't have even-handed Republicans on that committee. She excluded the people that the Republicans really wanted on the committee. 
They did their interviews, investigations, they have depositions, they have documents, and a large no- amount of that material, the evidence, the depositions, the documents, have disappeared. It's contrary to the rules of the Congress. Those records have disappeared, and that tells you something, too, doesn't it, Chris? It sure does. Really, there was a Stalinist show trial. It was nothing like any sort of legitimate give-and-take uh, question and, and rebuttal. Uh, the entire operation was was run really like something out of out of Stalin. It, it was all all show, no go. Uh, a lot of one-sided gamesmanship. And as you mentioned, Judge, the documentation, you know, the deposition transcripts, photographs, video, poof, gone. Yeah, well, Chris Farrell, keep us posted on the lawsuit. Uh, big news, and thank you for separating fact from fiction about January 6th. We really Great appreciate it. You. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. And uh, let's take a break right now, and we're going to come back with Larry Kudlow to find out where the heck is the economy going. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. And joining us now here on Katz and Cosby is the nation's leading economist, uh, the great host, of course, on WABC on Saturday, starting at 10 a.m., and uh, his numbers are through the roof, uh, through the stratosphere, as we always talk about here, uh, the great Larry Kudlow. Uh, Larry, uh, give us the latest on the economy. Happy New Year. Happy, Happy New, New Year. Year, Larry. We hope Happy so. Happy New Year. We hope Happy so. Question. So today's jobs report, I, does anybody care? I mean, it no. was a weird number. Uh, it's it looked good, but when you got rid of revisions, it wasn't good. And uh, small business households fell 700,000. We haven't had a manufacturing job in 12 months. The ISM services fell again. Um, the Fed's not going to cut rates for some time. I mean, it was a very strange number. Uh, I don't know how deep you want to go into it, but it was kind of like a little of this and a little of that. But it showed a lot of softness underneath, which is why Wall Street, which cratered, but then it came back. Bond rates still closed over 4%. It's kind of a quasi-soft landing, but no one can be sure. How's that? 
That well, was good. That, that is. Uh, uh, <laughs> Clears my. Uh, are, we, are we coming or going? I don't know. Is it raining or, or, is it raining or snowing? I mean, I mean, uh, they, listen, they pay good money for that kind of analysis. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm sure they you're, do. And you're the country's leading economist, so, I mean, uh, we listen to you. By the way, well dressed, I mean, too. Well one dressed. Of the things it was, you know, when. And the best dressed. The best dressed economist. Yeah, the best dressed on Roger Stone's list, Larry. You know, oh, we didn't know. congratulate you. So we haven't talked to you since then. I know it's uh, it's uh, I, I'm dressed for radio. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, everybody, almost everybody in here is has a tie on suit and tie. So, for the oh, record, we, we have high standards here. Well, I was ordered to wear a suit and tie that's by exactly his honor. Right. Exactly correct. That's a nice so, order. That's a nice tie. So, we're at a crossroads whether the, whether the interest rates are going down, as I predicted, or the interest rates are staying steady. And uh, nobody really wants to commit at this point, except uh, we'll see what the markets do over the next few weeks. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing I would say after today's number. The Fed is going to be in no rush to start cutting their policy rate. Wall Street got a little irrationally exuberant during the holidays about, you know, four rate cuts or seven rate cuts. Today's number doesn't justify that. But having said that, uh, there were pockets of major weakness in the number. Uh, as, again, let me say the small business part called the Household Employment Survey, that thing fell 700,000 jobs. And in the last three months, two of the months have been down, almost a million. So, you know, that's weakness. On the other hand, I'll say one thing. Um, workers got a pay raise. So the earnings number was over 4%, which for the moment is beating three percent inflation, uh, which has been the trend for the last few months. It's not the trend for the last uh, few years where wages are underwater. But um, there was a decent number. So I'm just going to suggest that the Fed is going to keep its target rate on hold probably throughout the first quarter. And there'll be no cut in the March, uh, no March Fed funds cut, no January Fed funds cut. And, um, you know, probably that will dampen all the enthusiasm we saw in the markets towards the end of the year. You know, Larry, I actually have a question on on um, covid funds. And the reason I bring this up, I'm, I've been dying to ask you this. The Chicago mayor came out this week and he wants to use it's almost one hundred million dollars of covid relief money towards the migrants. Can he do that? Because because even people in Chicago are going, wait a minute, that was allocated for something else. Well, that's, you know, very important question. And the answer is no, because that money was not appropriated for those purposes. And in fact, actually, you know, because the pandemic uh, has been over now for two years, that money should uh, be taken back. Congress has the authority to do that. They won't, but they have the authority to do that. But if you start moving money around in between accounts, Rita, you, uh, you can't do that. That's uh, illegal. Uh, now, the Bidens might try to make it legal, but they can't. But then again, Joe Biden gave a speech today at Valley Forge saying he's for democracy, but he won't have primaries in his own Democratic Party. And he's trying to keep Trump off the ballot. 
and he lets all the illegals come in. So he breaks the law at random. So in, in terms of uh, some COVID money, why not? I mean, they're breaking the law on student loan cancellations. So maybe they'll break the law on COVID money as well. It's an incredible story. Larry, you're going to be on between 10 o'clock and 1 o'clock tomorrow on uh, WABCradio.com, 770 on your dial, and in the uh, 173 countries on your iPhone. Uh, you, you forgot the stratosphere. WABC. You forgot the stratosphere. Well, in the stratosphere. <laughs> well, oh, it's beyond the stratosphere. It's in the ionosphere. Yes. <laughs> we're, we're live. We're live streaming in the Milky Way now. That's our next. <laughs> and you have the highest rates ever uh, on Saturday morning. And thank you for from WABC. Thanks, John. Thank Bravo. you. Appreciate have a great it. weekend. Bravo. I'll be listening. Thanks, Larry. Bravo. <laughs> let's, let's take a break. And who do we have after the break? We have Tony Schaefer, a great intel officer, talking about the Middle East. Remember, Biden today said everything's fine. Does, does anybody know <laughs> who really bombed Iran? We'll have to find out. Tony we'll might check. know. We'll know from Tony afterwards. You're commuting home. Cats and Cosby. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, we're back. And TGIF, thank God it's Friday. I need maybe Saturday off. I don't know, Rita. I don't think you have Saturday off, don't you I have? never have. i got to see Wiener. Yeah, that's what I was well, going to say. You won't have it off. <laughs> Listen, are we... Anthony! Anthony Wait, Wiener! Are we going to London to see Elvis? Because I understand they bring Elvis back. Is yeah. he live? Uh, AI. 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 AI live. Virtual AI. reality tour. Elvis Presley is back. Right. So here's what my heck, wait. Wait. What the heck is going on in Iran? Who is bombing them? Well, uh, is it Saudi Arabia with ISIS? Is or, it somebody else? You're, you're suggesting it may be farmed out, right? It may be a farmed out process, a farmed right? Out. Somebody wrote the check. Well, well, let's find out. Somebody wrote the check. Let's find out, right? Uh, who might know? Tony Schaefer, the president of Project Sentinel, great a DOD intel officer. Tony, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer. Uh, fill us in. Who do you think is behind this? Could it have been a group that sort of was farmed out? Uh, we know that ISIS is claiming responsibility, but did somebody kind of put them up to it? Well, I think uh, thanks for having me on as always. And no, I think it. Uh, I predicted two days ago it was going to be ISIS. ISIS has been trying to resurge. Uh, they are getting some money from, uh, I think, John, you're correct, Saudi sources. Remember, Saudi Arabia has uh, has been a hotbed of radicalization for a while. Most of the 9-11 hijackers were Saudi Arabian. And I think at this point, the Saudis are as much as the Israelis concerned about what's going on in Iran. Remember, there's the Sunni-Shia split. The the Arabs, the uh, the Saudis are the Sunni and the the Iranians are Shia. So that this and this this conflict goes back to the 10th century. So we're not going to resolve it anytime soon. With that said, uh, there's a real potential uh, that if Iran continues down the path it is regarding nuclear weapons, the Saudi Arabians have already purchased their weapons. They've got their weapons sitting in a warehouse in Ruapinde in Pakistan. And the the, the issue obviously is having the Sunni and Shia arm up and expand their conflict past what they're doing now. Which again, I think the the ISIS folks were the ones behind the attack in Tehran, and if they expanded past that, obviously we could have another Cold War with both of those those factions essentially being armed with nuclear weapons and, and facing off with each other. But Biden said uh, he has made the world so much safer. That's what he was saying just a little bit ago, Tony. Your thoughts? It looks like a tinderbox to me. No, look, uh, San Francisco, L.A., and New York, they're all safer. 
uh, he's done as much for safety in America as he's done for the world. Uh, I I have a different way of saying it, Tony. Uh, (laughs) He has taken care. He has taken care of unemployment for all the terrorist groups. <laughs> Hamas is back. A job creator. The hoodies are back. So Biden obviously works for the back. terrorists. <laughs> Al-Qaeda is back. He is ta- there's no more unemployment in the terrorist world. No, and he's, he is the master of chaos. I mean, if nothing else, Biden will be remembered for the, for the chaos he has brought, not only to the United States, but to the globe. Because uh, simply put, John, his foreign policy, his national security policy, is completely without focus, without any sort of, of unifying theory. And because of the fact he's sitting on the fence, he doesn't really want to support the Israelis because the Hamas caucus and his party is going to get on him. He doesn't really want to support <laughs> Hamas because, geez, they're terrorists and they're killers. So what he's trying to do is not lose. He's trying to basically stay right in the middle to not offend anybody. And by not having a strong policy, not having us, the United States, being kind of the Look, for better or for worse, I'm not saying this because I'm a neocon. I'm not a neocon, but I'm saying without the United States trying to help organize the efforts to counter terrorism, in absence of us being there, you're seeing the effects of, of terrorism resurge, as you just pointed out, John. And uh, Judge Weinberg, you got a Tony, question for Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer. Tony, welcome hey, back. Good to be Tony, here, Judge. Thanks. Tony, I'm very, I'm very concerned. I just read this article in the Wall Street Journal. Turkey is protecting the chief Hamas financier and is told... Israel, lay off him. Do not come after him. What do you make of that? Isn't isn't Turkey a NATO country? Yeah, no, look, Hamas leadership knows that the Israelis, as a statement of policy, are going to pursue the leadership. They're going to go into Qatar. They've already hit uh, one of their guys, the primary go-between between between Iran and uh, the the Hamas folks. They they hit him in in Hezbollah-held Lebanon. Uh, so they, as a matter of policy, they're going after these guys. So, yeah, they're all cowards. Remember, Judge, these, these people don't have the fortitude of their own beliefs. They're the ones sending others out to die. And the last thing they want to do is die. So, of course, uh, these guys are going to try to uh, hunker down in countries where they think they're protected. And eventually, these, these guys are paid terrorists. That's all right. they are. They're paid terrorists. Absolutely. They're for hire. Well, whether Iran is hiring them, whether uh, the Taliban are hiring them, whether it's so, uh, you know, whether uh, Saudi Arabia is hiring them, somebody's paying. And by the way, you know how the, all, all those countries got the excess money to pay? From Your us. Yeah, from Obama. 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 No, the American consumer, when they doubled the price of oil, we made the Russians zillionaires and we made all the OPEC nations zillionaires. God bless them for being smarter business people than than the White House. No, I've said before, John, on the show, if we wanted to actually defund all these activities, open up our production, drop the price to $1.50 a gallon, and we would literally uh, expand our economy you, rapidly yes. and solidly. And, and, and you bankrupt every Russia. Other, every other, uh, yeah, bankrupt and Iran. And, and, and Iran. Iran. And Iran, yes. Now, I mean, that is, you know what's amazing? Uh, they still have yet to get tough on Iran with even the basic things like we're talking about, and even Russia after all this time. Well, Saudi Arabia is doing the job through ISIS. Absolutely. Yeah, yep. that is crazy. So let me ask you before we let you go, Tony, sure. um, what is going to happen? Blinken is over in the region. He just left a By few way, hours ago. Was, is he going to be Blinken? From my <laughs> intelligence sources okay. that when Blinken hit Istanbul, there was not a single officer of Turkey or, or, or State Department of Turkey, they had to greet him. 
The only person he was greeted by, by his own ambassador. Uh, Tony, that uh, that speaks volumes. No, he's an embarrassment. I mean, his biggest contribution to, to foreign policy was creating a, a band at the State Department for world peace. By the way, did you all know that in college, uh, Lincoln's rock and roll nickname was Spanky Banana? Did you know that? That's a, that's a bit of trivia. <laughs> wait, 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 wait Blinkins? Yeah, well, yeah, I'm, I'm making that up, Rita. But yeah, it, I was going to say. It, it I'm like, wait a minute. Right. He's eligible for the Trump. Uh... Yeah, 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 exactly. Oh, my God. That's a new one, Tony. We love that. Tony, we yeah. love humor and facts. That's a good thing. Tony, sex? thank you. Where facts? From? I said facts. Uh, I thought you said sex. No, no. no. What is no. It? What's on John's mind? It's the weekend. It's the weekend. Yeah. Wait, Margo. Margo's in for a great weekend. Anyway, everybody. <laughs> Tony, thank you very much. Thanks, it's great guys. to have you Thanks, here on Tony. the show. Yeah, thank, thank you, Tony. <laughs> thank you very, very much, Tony Schaefer. We love you. And joining us now is Doug Schoen. Uh, Doug, uh, you know, we're talking about this crazy speech by President Biden. Uh, did you see it to me? It said he is down in the polls. He's desperate. He's going to try anything. Well, yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with any of that. I and as long as you don't uh, associate me with any of your uh, colloquy, read it with Tony Schaefer. I'm happy to answer your question with specificity and precision. Uh, speaking less about John's weekend than about America's future, what I would say bluntly is Biden announced he's going to run a totally negative campaign. By saying he's focusing on democracy, it means this campaign is not going to be about the Biden administration, Biden and uh, Bidenomics, the war, any of that. This is going to be about uh, one administration versus another. And since Trump gets better ratings on handling problems than Biden does, it's going to be about Donald Trump, the man, his four trials and his personal peccadillo. And by the way, that's exactly what his speech, I thought, exactly today, Doug, is that he is making it, uh, he's seeing the dwindling numbers on immigration. He's seeing oh, the yeah. dwindling numbers exactly. on economy. And he's saying, okay, I'm going to make it now another, like a personality race. Um, exactly. You know, exactly. what did you make? You, you know, it's interesting, though, Doug, because here he is. He is criticizing uh, President Trump and saying, oh, boy, he is, um, you know, he's a threat to democracy. He's this. He's that. It seemed to me, and I used the phrase at the beginning, Doug, it seemed unpresidential for a guy who was trying to pretend that he is the still unifier in, in chief and that he's the beacon of, of, you know, morals and fortitude. And yet then he was swiping. He called Trump a loser. He he used I, I just thought, you know, if you're going to have that kind of speech, you want to keep it. You want to keep your speech above the fray. Yeah, I don't think he does want to keep it above the fray. I think he believes that his only path to victory is a barnyard brawl and that uh, the lower he goes, the lower Trump goes, and that that is a path to victory because ultimately politics ain't beanbag. It's not whether you get close or not. Uh, it's whether you win. And I think that's their conclusion. Uh, they're not changing policies. You didn't hear him say, uh, I'm committed to doing the people's business that means I'm going to cut spending, do everything I can to reduce inflation, and at the same time tighten the border so we don't have jobs going uh, to uh, non-Americans, you, 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 you didn't hear that. You didn't hear that. 
Yeah, uh, and you're and, not good, I hear it. Right, no, yeah, yeah, right. Uh, and everybody, we're talking to the great pollster Doug Schoen. Uh, Doug, uh, here is Governor Patterson. So, Doug, I think the biggest mistake that politicians make in campaigns is that when they're other, when the other side, their opponent, does something that they seem to do very well, which is the way Donald Trump refers to people, and it works for him. But it's not going to work for Biden. Just copying what Trump would have done is not going to have the same effect because he himself contradicted what he was saying that he stood for. Yeah, I, I, I think that's true, David. And what I tend to believe is the Biden campaign and the president himself is so bollocked up trying to figure out what to do that they're going to contradict themselves. They're going to be all over the lot. Whereas if you watch Trump, like him or dislike him, and I'm not a supporter, uh, as I think many people know, you know where he's going, you know how he's going to play the game, and you know that he's going to rivet attention on himself, notwithstanding what he stands for. Uh, Frankly, I make Trump a slight favorite going into this race. The one issue that wasn't talked about at all today, really, is abortion, and that could well make uh, a difference in and of itself. That will be part of the narrative relatively soon. I'm pretty confident. Ed Cox? When, uh, Doug, when you're talking about pejoratives and it's Trump out there uh, throwing them uh, at Biden and Biden's reading them from a script, who wins that stylistically? Exactly. <laughs> well, I think stylistically uh, Donald Trump is going to win that. And the problem is There are four criminal trials that are going to come into play, and I get that a large part of the electorate has made their decision about Trump, but for swing voters, for women, I think the betting on the Biden uh, uh, team is that that contrast ultimately will work to their advantage with that small sliver of undecided voters. At least that's the theory. Wow. Well, we will see where it goes. Um, you also had the column, too, about sort of an alternative, too. Uh, everybody check out. That was a great, great column I read uh, with you and Andy Could Stein. You imagine if we had a race between Gavin Newsom and Nikki Haley. I, I, I'm not advocating for anybody today, but I sure as heck would like to see that race rather than the race we're going to see. Well, you think if if after Joe Biden gets a nomination, and he decides to pardon his son and resign. Who does the Democratic Party nominate? It's up to it's up to the Democratic governors, up to the Democratic uh, senators, who and the DNC. Who do they pick for? Uh, uh, who do they nominate? I, I am convinced they will pick Kamala Harris with one caveat: if President Barack Obama and Michelle Obama decide Michelle Obama should be the candidate. Then and only then you would have Michelle as the candidate, and that would be a very different kind of campaign. That would be 2016 to 2020 versus 2008 to 2016. Doug, I agree with everything you said except Kamala Harris. I think she just has a style that just, for some reason, uh, makes her not yeah. even if Biden knew that Biden will not resign if she think if he thinks that it's Pamela. Yeah, she has lower approval numbers right. than the president does. But, but the hypothetical do. was if he resigns, who would they pick? I believe the vice president and her supporters would have an effective stranglehold on the nominating process 
but for the intercession of the former president. Well, it's going to be an interesting year. That interesting is for year. sure. Uh, Thank you Jones. so much, Doug. Thank you, no, Doug. No, it's always a pleasure. Thank God you, bless Doug. You. Have Happy a good weekend. one. Thank, Thank you. you. And uh, let's take a break, and when we come back... We're talking about crime in America and some stunning details uh, with the head of the National Police Association after... It's a common-sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And joining us now here on Cats and Cosby is the spokesperson with the National Police Association. You know, Betsy, this week we heard a lot of people across the country, a lot of leaders saying uh, things are better, crime is down, but people don't feel safe. Uh, you give us the read. Well, you're absolutely right. You know, we heard multiple blue city mayors this week and other politicians say that, oh, well, crime's down 4% here or 6% here. Yeah, crime is down uh, slightly from last year. But if we go back to pre-2020 numbers, we are seeing that crime continues to be a huge issue in this country, including the 378 police officers shot in the line of duty in 2023 and two shot and killed in the last 48 hours. Uh, Sergeant Smith, isn't there another issue here, and that is for shootings and for murders, those crimes can over, and those are down a little bit here in New York, and those crimes can overcome the all the impediments put in by the uh, radical left in the legislature with respect to procedures and all that. But for the lesser crimes, those are the crimes that get stuck, people arrested are released right away, etc., uh, and those crimes are up, and those are the quality of life crimes that really bother people. Well, sure. Look at Washington, D.C., which is now the retail theft capital of this nation, and it's it's absolutely insane what we are seeing, and it's because people know that very little, if anything, is going to happen to them. There's going to be very little, if any, consequences if they engage in retail theft. I mean, in Washington, D.C., there was a flyer out calling for shoplifters to, quote, unquote, unite and get together and ransack a local grocery store for them to unite as though they are entitled to another person's property, a business owner who has worked hard to have a business in a community that needs a grocery store, but we have this sense of entitlement. We have this sense of my life matters more than anyone else. And then, of course, we have a, this this attitude that no one else's life really matters. And, and that's why we continue to see um, homicides, shootings, lootings, stabbings, and, and everything in between. Plus all the quality of life crimes, assaults in the streets, uh, subway uh, fare jumpers, and uh, they just, the cops know you arrest and the guy's going to walk out free before you finish the paperwork. Yeah, and that adds to the frustration of the American law enforcement officer. That adds to our difficulty in recruiting and retaining police officers. If you arrest somebody for armed robbery and you know that before you turn in your report, uh, that that guy's going to be back out on the street. Yeah, he's going to be home for dinner, you know, but and you're still yeah, filling out paperwork. Yeah. 
You're going to be in the station still writing the report and uh, not home with your family, but he's going to be home having dinner with his. It's out of control. It's out of control. And and everybody, we're talking to Sergeant Betsy Brantner-Smith. She's the spokesperson with the National Police Association. Um, Betsy, too. You know, the other thing, um, our mayor, Mayor Eric Adams, this week held up a picture um, of Skid Row in L.A., and said, look, you don't see this here in New York. And I thought, no, actually, we do see it in places I do see in New it. York. We do see it here. They're spread throughout the city now. Right. Well, what was your reaction? It's like they're like, we're not we're not hell on earth. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's still some bad places. And if you pull somebody off the street, uh, they don't feel safe, you know? That's like the mayor of Portland holding up a picture of Seattle and saying, look, we're not as bad as these guys. I mean, that's just insane. Eric Adams knows better. Um, that, frankly, I found that a real embarrassing moment for the citizens of New York. You know, he's he he is clearly over his head. He is. He has made so many missteps when it comes to crime, when it comes to being a sanctuary city, when it comes to protecting his residents and backing up his police department. Don't forget, he was a cop. And uh, so what an embarrassing moment to hold up a picture of Skid Row and say, well, at least we're not this bad. It's a sad moment for the people that elected him and the people who have to live under his his uh, regime, if you will. And uh, Governor Patterson? I just don't know why you have to attack another city for having problems when you have enough of your own. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Yeah, I Betsy mean, Parker. we had a mess. Oh, and Sergeant, how like that timing, we, John? We, before we go off for the evening, uh, which is the top three worst cities in our country right now? Well, right now, it's we're looking at New Orleans, St. Louis, and uh, there's a tie between Chicago and Seattle. Wow. Wow. Betsy, thank you. Sergeant Betsy Brantner-Smith with the National Police Association. Thank you very, very much. Thanks for having me, guys. And by the way, uh, uh, delicious pizza every Friday from Grimaldi's Pizza. Anthony! (laughs) Thank you for the pizza. We love. By the way, I love just saying pizza to hear John say that. Anthony! (laughs) We love you, Grimaldi's. Anthony and Frank, you guys are great. Thank you. What do we stand for? Truth, Truth, justice, justice, and the American American way. way. God bless America. Good night, Anthony.